I want you to open your heart and welcome my dear friend and one of my fathers, Brother James Stewart, this morning. Thank you. Thank you, brother. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, what can you say? <laughs> it's very humbling. Um, I'm, I am truly thankful for this opportunity to, to stand before you and say that um, anything we may have done for the Lord is due to the prayer and support of folk like you. I was t- sharing with Pastor this morning there. The scripture says that we have a friend that's closer than a brother. And we always apply that to the Lord Jesus himself. But that context is I have a friend that's closer than a brother. And he has been a friend to me that's closer than a brother. He and his wife have, have blessed us again and again as has this assembly. You know, they're taking a little bit of a chance on me because he knows that I have an implanted pacemaker and fibrillator. And uh, if I get too excited this morning, that thing could go off. And when it goes off, and it has already, I was teaching surgical class in, in where was it, uh, in, in, where are we live? Madeira. <laughs> and and uh, bang, it went off and I fell on the ground. And half the, half the class said, uh, uh, it's the devil. The other half said, no, the Lord's bless, blessing him. Leave him alone. <laughs> uh, well, uh, let me say finally that... Uh, I decided that from then on, whenever I teach, I'm going to say, now look, if I fall down, it's neither the devil or the Lord, it's my pacemaker defibrillator that's just gone off when my heart goes out of rhythm. And the best thing to do then is for the ladies to form an orderly line to give me the kiss of, a kiss of life. Uh, you notice I said the ladies, please. Uh, Pastor's asked me to come today, and, and basically this is how the Spirit of the Lord has led me to, to share with you my testimony, what God has done. Even way before I do that, before we pray, I, I, I want to uh, point your attention to a verse of Scripture in Ephesians, and I'll come and read from Revelation in a minute. But in the, in the to writing to the Ephesians, Paul says, and the paraphrase is in the Living Bible, he says, just think that though I did nothing to deserve it, and though I may be the most useless Christian that there is, that God has chosen me to preach the glad news to the Gentiles of the endless treasures available to them in Christ. And this, is, this applies to all of us. Just think. Though I may be the most, and, and the Apostle Paul has made way for other most worthless Christians. First Dwight, first me, then Dwight, you know. Where this is the kind of people we were, useless Christians. But God in his mercy has redeemed us. Uh, would you pray with me, please? Father, we come in Jesus' name, knowing how much we depend on you. You are our great God and you have done so much that our minds cannot even conceive it, much less our tongues speak of all your goodness. So we pray, Holy Spirit, that you will minister, that you will speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Dwight knew that I was going to speak this morning, so he went 
to Costco and bought me the, a watch with the biggest numbers he could find so that I, I could see them. But fortunately, there is, well, that, that one, there is a clock in the back there. Heather, 20 minutes. I used to tell her mother, uh, Beryl, that uh, when 20 minutes is up, you signal. This is it. It's finished. Uh, uh, if necessary, I'm not finished, then uh, she is to stand up and start a chorus. So one way or another, we're going to know. So 20 minutes. Uh, hope <laughs> I, I, I've long since outlived that. In, in, in Revelation, chapter 12 is, is what I would like to base my remarks on this morning. Chapter 12, Revelation. Let's read verse 10 and 11 only. We could read it all, but let's just read those two verses. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down who accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. My, my little girl is with me this morning, so I'm going to tell her favorite snake story. Not because I like to tell snake stories, but it, it's going to prove a point. It's going to illustrate something to you this morning. Uh, Heather and Dwight had asked uh, my wife and I to come up to Namibia to help them in the beginnings of the work there, and, and particularly in the Bible school. Uh, I went to say farewell to my African brethren in the Bible school where we had been for 25 years and we'd seen the Lord bless and just uh, grow a school where the national pastors were able to take over and run the Bible school, and I was able to leave them and, and, and say, God bless you to them. And I, I was saying goodbye to these young men that had been, you know, in, in, in Bible school themselves and now grown into a place of leadership when... Uh, one of the uh, brethren came running up to me and said, Brother Stuart, uh, can, uh, can you do one more thing for us, please? I don't know what he wanted. He said, okay. He said, there's a snake in the tool room, and we can't get it out. Now, we had a, had a law on our Bibles were camp. You don't kill snakes. Snakes kill rats. You know, so, so they, they're good. So what you do is you, you catch them, you put them in a sack, and you go and let them go somewhere, somewhere good. So... I said, okay, let's go, and sure enough, I went to the tool shed, and there among the, the tools was a, a cobra. Uh, this is a black one, known as the wrinkles. It's black, and it has white bands on it. And when it puffs out the hood, you'll see this black cobra, the white band, and the preacher, the, the Africans uh, nicknamed him the preacher, because he's got this white collar here on him. But uh, he's, he, he spits out more poison than any other preacher that I know. Doubly <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, dangerous because it sprays the venom, and anybody within uh, 10 feet uh, it can be blinded if it goes to your eyes, and when it's sprayed out the venom, then it strikes. And there it was, and because uh, I had to take care of it because no African was stupid enough to mess with the wrinkles like that. Uh, so. Uh, I, I, I said, okay, let's bring, bring me a forked stick. I couldn't find one, so they brought me a, a soft broom, a broom with, you know, one of these uh, um, soft ends to it, and, and I couldn't find a stick. I couldn't find a sack 
to put him into, so they brought me a cigar box. Now, what a cigar box was doing uh, on a Bible school campus, I don't know. But they brought me, they, they, they bring me this little box. Now, I'm supposed to put this, and he was at least four foot long, and as thick as my arm, get him into this box. I said, oh no, we're gonna have to do something else. So he, I got him into the corner with my broom, finally uh, chased it in the corner, and I uh, had him pinned with the broom. Okay, I said, okay, one of you brethren, and they, they were, they'd retreated well out of the way. Uh, come here, hold the broom for me. Okay, so I held the broom, and I reached down and, and uh, put my hand around his neck, you know, about where his ears would be if he had ears, and I, I, I pick him up, uh, I'm going to put him uh, out of the way somehow, and this silly snake just turns its head and spits into my face. Uh, fortunately, I had glasses on there, so... I immediately, we did that, I said to them, kill it, kill it, kill it, you know, forget the laws that we don't kill, say kill it. So well, they threw it down and they whacked it. But from that experience came this lesson. That snake, now there he is, he's, he's just lying there, spitting as, as he possibly could and trying to bite, but his back was broken. He, he could no longer spit in the right direction. He could no longer strike it in there. He just was, was writhing there on the floor. And it illustrated me there once for all of what's happened to our enemy, the devil. You see, the devil was defeated on Calvary. And we overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. This is what defeated him once and for all. Now, it's true that he, he, he may kick around and writhe, but I told the Africans, okay, get rid of him now. They took it by the tail and they threw it into the fire. And you know very well that's what's going to happen to the enemy of our soul. Uh, he's going to be taken up and thrown into the fire eternally. But that day I saw there, Christian, we don't have to be afraid because his back is broken. He has no hold on us anymore. He can do no more damage. We've overcome him. Now, I, I could go on the blood of the Lamb, but I want to go quickly because this has been with the request. The second thing, way we overcame him is by the word of our testimony. You see, by this time, just about anything that can happen has happened to me, good or bad, you know. Uh, I turned 81 in June, and so in this 81 years, I can say uh, I've had every, uh, in, in lately, well, let, let me just back up a minute. When I turned 70, the devil said, and you know the devil uses God's word. You know the Bible says you're only supposed to live 70 years. So now you're on the way down. And sure enough, that, that year I got malaria the first time. Went to a hospital, never been in a hospital. Went where? Got malaria, cerebral malaria. Everyone thought I was going to die. Didn't die, obviously. I, I, I went on that, that year for the first time. They said I was in the hospital. Then I had a knee replacement. Uh, and I'll cut, cut some story short here. We brought my wife home. Uh, she had congestive heart failure. She died within a few weeks. And from that on, day on, everything that could go wrong in a human body went wrong in mine. I mean, from tip to toe, literally. Literally, my, my toe has gout. Uh, the, the tip, my eyes had cataracts. You know, my, uh, the rest of my body, I had... 
uh, virtually a, a spine that, that needed to be straightened out because of an accident I'd had on the field. Uh, my heart was not only congested, I had uh, atrial fibrillation. In other words, I had an irregular heartbeat and I didn't think I was going to live. What else? Uh, diabetes. Uh, I've got 13 different kinds of pills. I'd, I don't know them all by name, so I'd nickname them. This is, instead of saying this is Alloripinol, what's that, that? I say this is your artifact, you know, so that I can remem remember which one. But 13 different pills I have to take every morning. So if anything can go wrong, it's gone wrong. And now the devil says, okay, you now you turn 80. The Bible says you can live 80 years, you die when you're 70, but if you. Strong, and, and we felt we were strong. We used to run 56-mile uh, marathons, so, so I thought hey, I was strong. But if you're strong, you can live up to 80. I have bypassed 80. <laughs> so now I say, now I say, we've overcome him. We can overcome him by the yeah. word of our testimony. Yeah. Oh, oh, I nearly said old folk, and that would be impolite, wouldn't it? Older folk. Uh, old, 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 we don't have to be afraid of these uh, diseases and maladies and problems that come upon us. We've overcome him, not only because of his healing power and because of the excellency uh, of the medical uh, facilities as we have today, but because Jesus is, is taking us into his presence and into his glory. It only gets better from now on out. <laughs> it only, we, we used to sing it. One day near a home. It's one day near a home. We'll see him soon. Okay, now we're going to backtrack a little bit. Backtrack to that first verse. Though I may be the most useless Christian that there is. The worst example that you can have for a missionary preacher would be the one who's standing before you now. Because when I was, by the time I was 20 years old, I was a gold miner working a mile and a half deep in the gold mines of South Africa. And I was just about the most rotten individual that you'll find. And not, nothing, nothing, nothing funny about it. A thug lived for street fighting and drinking. I was addicted to booze. At the time I was 20 years old. I couldn't let go. do what to. And any time somebody looked at me uh, differently, it began to find we, we were part of a motorcycle gang that would... We go with this gang from, from pub to pub, uh, looking for, from bar to bar, excuse me, that's a side from bar to bar, looking for trouble, looking for a fight, just totally lost in sin. Then a girl invited me to go to church. Now, I would love to have said that I had a whole uh, desire in my heart to go. I didn't have no desire to go to church. I went to church because a girl asked me to go to church. And, and uh, I went to church for the first time as an adult. I might have gone to Sunday school, but for the first time as an adult, I went to church. And tell you, anybody raised their hand, you have the first time here, yeah, folks. Let me warn you, if you've not been in a Pentecostal church before, you're, anything can happen. And I, <laughs> I sat there and wondered what the world was going on. I mean, they would stand, and just when I stand, they'd sit down. And the preachers prayed his prayer, and they said amen there, but they said amen all the time they was talking too. So I didn't know when the, when the prayer, what, when to quit, because they were saying, I, I just sat there amazed. We had a, they had a band. I mean, a little brass band up with saxophone and, and trombone and everything. In the front. I'd never been in anything like that. This is supposed to be church. 
churches where dignified robed men stand and speak in a, a modulated voice so that the congregations can be well aware of their breeding and of their life. I sat there, hey. I, the preacher said, who needs God? Okay? And I don't know why. I, I, to this day, I don't know why. I can only say the Lord was beginning to deal with me. I went forward to be prayed for. They prayed for me. I, I left the assembly. What in the world have you done, Stuart? Everybody in this town knows you're a rogue. Everybody, my name had been on the, on, on the headlines of the newspaper that week. The bunch of hooligans had called us, uh, caught and escaped from custody, recaptured by the police. That, that was us. And everybody there in the congregation knew was just splashed all over the place. And I said, what have you done? You're such an idiot. You're pretending like you're a, a Christian going to get prayed for? So I decided, no, it's not for me. For a period of about six weeks, I set out to get as drunk as I possibly could every night of the week, to get into as much trouble as I possibly could, just rebelling uh, against God, against man, just at this place of hopelessness. He said, every night happened. Finally, one night, I called my friend Macduff, used to ride in the back of pillion of a motorbike, and I said, we'll buy a jug of, we used to buy jugs of wine, by the way, not just little fancy bottles, but jugs of wine, buy a jug of wine, and quarts of beer, not little, little small cans of beer, quarts of beer, six quarts of beer, a, a, a jug of wine, and we're going to get, excuse the expression, motherless tonight, we're, we're, we're going <laughs> Uh, so we get on the mic, and, and uh, it doesn't take long, and Macduff is out, but I'm staying sober. So I take him to his house, I throw him over the fence, and I take off. <laughs> I, 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 I take off riding, and for some reason, during that Sunday night service six weeks before, the words of the chorus only believe. All things are possible. Stuck in my mind. And all the time I'm saying, I cannot be a Christian. I was made an idiot of myself. There's no way I can stop what I'm doing. I tried it before. I've done everything. I, every time I went, got in trouble with the, the military, and we were thrown into, into detention barracks. Uh, I, I got a hold of a Bible, if I possibly could. I swore to God, i have never do it again. As soon as I got out, off we went to get out. I tried it. I said, Lord, I have tried it. I've tried everything to try to get rid of the booze. And God was saying in this chorus in my head, only believe all things are possible. Only believe. Again and again. Somehow, again, you know, I, I don't know how the spirit moves. Somehow I found myself in front of a little Pentecostal church at close to midnight. Now, even, the, even you guys don't stay here close to midnight. I mean, uh, close to midnight, there, there's lights on. There, and a young woman, didn't know her that time she was to be my wife, comes out, sees me, drunk her mother, mother, some had blood from the fight, so I'm, you know, you know real about as drunk as you could possibly be. And, and uh, she says, I want to speak to you. I need to speak to you. So I take off on my bike and smacked into a car just nearby and rolled into the gutter. So literally, I was in the gutter when this group of Christians came and found me. They said, we're going to pray for you. So they dragged me home. 
uh, the, the, the dad standing at the door said, don't bring that thing into my house at all. And these little group of my little wife and her little sister say, hey, he needs God, get out the way, we're going to pray for him. They park me in the middle of the living room. Right in the middle of the room, and the mother says, put on the black coffee. So, they put on. so from just after midnight to four o'clock in the morning, they were pouring black co- coffee uh, into my body. But at the same time, they were praying. God help him. God bless him. God save him. Uh, bring him out of this. And I tell you, folk, at 4 a.m., I was born again. <laughs> I, I was born again. I was born again. Yeah, you know, no, I, I got on somehow my, uh, on my buckled bike and I drove to, to the gold mine. We had to go down. It was in the early shift. Had to go down. And, and of course, you'd take off your, your street clothes. They looked at my street clothes and said, boy, you were really in a, in, in a scrap last night to the way your clothes look. Put on my mining clothes. And they looked at me. I was sort of stunned like it. I said, my sins are forgiven. You know, I didn't know any of this, this Christian language. But, but, but I knew. My sins are forgiven. And the guy says, well, you really did get drunk, didn't you? (laughs) My sins were forgiven. Uh, Unworthy. Now, after 20 minutes, I never looked at the room and started. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'd like to believe it. I'd like to believe it. Uh, Immediately. As soon as I saved, I had to, had to tell others about it. I had to share this with, with others. And they were cruel to us in those old Pentecostal days. What they made us do, even though we had just been saved, they made you stand in a ring and the town hall steps, city hall steps, and there you quoted, either quoted the scripture or you gave your testimony. And I mean, I was so dumb and, and, and so unschooled. I closed my eyes. Everything went black when I, uh, when I tried to speak it. And my knees uh, shook. As a, uh, I, I, I was terrified. But God knew about that too. Right? A couple of weeks later, he baptized me in the Holy Ghost and fire. And all, all of a sudden, I have boldness to stand before even a fine congregation like you and declare the unsearchable treasures that are available to us in Christ. God blessed me. Now, that was the beginnings. Uh, the first thing I had to do was to go to my former friends and work people and tell them what God had done in my life. And that wasn't easy. I worked among 500,000 that worked on the gold fields of South Africa. They're housed in, in hostels, compound uh, hostels all over the part of the country. And I had been, everybody knew this white man, because white, white contractors at that time were given a, a, a call them a gang, a group of Africans you worked with, and you were paid uh, for the amount of gold that you took out. And this is, this is how, so, so we were ruthless. I, I, I'm not going to whitewash it at all. We were ruthless. We, we tried to drive these men as hard as possible, swearing and cussing. They said that the, the first thing you do when you get, to, uh, get a new gang is you find the leader and just smack him in the face you know, so he knows who's boss. This kind of life, this uncouth, rough life. And I had to go and stand before the, these guys and tell them that Jesus is my Savior. <laughs> He's forgiven me and he wants you to forgive me too for all the things I did to you. And God moved among those gold miners in a wonderful, wonderful way because I wasn't the only one there. But God began to, to save souls. Now these were men. 
They came from all over Africa. Most of them were heads of households. These were men that were uh, well, well grounded, let's say, in, in life. And uh, some of them came from such heathen background as cannibalism. Uh, they weren't cannibalistic, instead of eating human flesh just for the pleasure of it, but because of some of their magic rituals. They needed a, the ear of a baby or the a kidney of an old woman, whatever the witch doctor said, and they mixed this in their medicine. These cruel African people from every kind of background, every kind of background. And yet God began to move by his spirit on those men. When you begin to tell them of the unsearchable riches that are available in Christ, men began to find Christ the Savior. They repented in the hundreds, hundreds of men. One assembly that came out of there were 600 men, just men. No women were allowed into these areas. So just these men serving and worshiping God. In fact, it got so bad, we were working seven days a week, twice, two services every day. But you know, this couldn't, couldn't last. And so then was born the idea, hey, I have to commit unto faithful men the things that I have learned that they may be able to teach others also. So in the name of the Lord, we went and, and uh, started working the Bible. So let me, let me, I'm not going to tell you all, all, the whole story of, of uh, how we got to the States and how we went back and everything. That's going to take us, will take us to midnight. But, but uh, uh, I knew that God wanted us to Commit unto faithful men to, to start a Bible school program inside. That, that's what I knew. Now, I knew how to blow rocks into pieces. I knew how to drill uh, so that, that when the dynamite went off, the thing would be would spray in the right direction. That's all. I mean, that's all. I said, uh, we want you to, to go to this Bible school. Don't worry about it. There is a missionary already there who uh, uh, already placed, there was no Bible school there, but there's a missionary who's a fundraiser. He is able to raise all the money you need for buildings, so fine. The other one is, in, how do you say it, Acab academic? <laughs> an academic, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, he's an academic. So you've got, you've got your fundraiser, you've got your academic, you can go ahead with the Bible school. Well, within a couple of months, both of them were gone. One, one, one came home, the other one got sick, and I was left alone. They had 100 Bible students by then. And I knew nothing about nothing. I mean, I couldn't build. I had, Heather was born, uh, when she was born, we lived in a hut that was built of stone. I mean, literally pieces of stone with mud and, and a grass roof. That, that's, that's how I knew. I did manage to put it put an uh, indoor toilet at one time, but the pipes went like this, back and forth and back and forth until I finally got, got it to work. So uh, what I'm saying, I had nothing, absolutely nothing. The most worthless Christian that you could possibly choose to be in a Bible school program. Yet God somehow blessed and used, and I honor his name. Every, you know, Every need he supplies. And this is what I, this is what I come, we can overcome him in every area. If there's some, some kind of addiction, I don't believe for one moment that there is an addiction that is too big for God. God can set us through from every addiction. God can break the chain of every kind of bondage. We have them, 
We admit to them, we'll confess to them, and a lot of times we'll yield to them. You don't have to because the devil is on the ground, his back has been broken, and he can no longer have any control of your life. And it's the same with sin, isn't it? Just ordinary sin. There's no sin that's, that's too great for God. There's no sin too small. God is able to bring every one of us to a knowledge of his truth. Father, we come in Jesus' name thanking you for all that you have done. And Lord, again, you know that I'm, I, I'm speaking from my heart when I say I don't know why, Lord. I, I really don't know why you can bless, pour your blessing into a soul so worthless. And yet, Lord, I know your word has declared that you love us, each one. You love us with a special love. For that we praise you. We pray in Jesus' name that you will speak to men and women in this place that need to respond to your call. We know, Lord, there's a hurting population outside. Dwight and Heather are responding to those who are hurting. But the Lord, all of us have neighbors. All of us have friends in the hospital. All of us have workmates that need to hear your word, that need to know, Lord, that Jesus saves, sets free. I pray you'll speak to us, Lord. Speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name. Just keep your heads bowed for a moment. Uh, it's always necessary for me. The Spirit compels me to ask you if you are really serving the Lord, if your heart is right with God. And if you know this morning your heart's not right with God, you say, please, pray for me. I, I need God in my life. I'm not going to take a long time. I, I just want to know if this woman needs prayer in this area. All right, this morning I'm going to ask you, is the Lord speaking to your heart about doing something for him? I'm not going to direct you. I, I've given up trying to give my own children directions as to what they should be doing for the Lord. But is the Lord speaking to you and saying, there's something that you, you need to do. I'd like to pray with you this morning. As Pastor has already said, for those of you who really want prayer and say, pray for me, I know that God wants to use me, I'm not sure exactly what, none of that matters. What matters is you stand before him and say, please, Jesus use me, Jesus use me. Is there anyone like that this morning? Just raise your hand so I can say yes, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. And young and old have raised their hands. Thank God. Thank God. Now, Father, whatever your will is this morning, we pray it be done in this place. Speak to our hearts. Lord, please, don't let it be just another formal way of holding church. Help us each one to respond to the moving of your spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen.